We are so grateful for the presence of the Lord this morning. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Thank you for entering in. We just are so grateful. What a, what a great crowd here this morning. It is always a privilege to stand before this ministry family. Always. And today we come to receive new ordained, licensed, and certified ministers onto the team. Welcome to a growing ministry family that celebrates your calling. We celebrate with you, with your families, with your friends, your parents that are here today. We just, we're going to celebrate what God is doing in your life. You have passed the tests. You've survived the interviews. And today, I would encourage you just to relax and enjoy the moment. God's presence. Let him settle over you and mark your life with what he would say to you today, even as you commit your life further to him. You are a ministry team that has been called to every corner of this state and to the ends of the earth. You're part of a great ministry team, and you're just going to make it better. So welcome. We thank you for being a part of this ministry family. Today I have great confidence in the one who's called you. This isn't your calling. It's his. It's not your ministry. It's his. It's not our church. It's his. And so our confidence today is in him. God redeems our failures. He uses the most difficult challenges of our life to shape us and to mold us. And what we view as weakness, we view as irrelevant and things we don't even see, he intends to use because he put it there and he put it in your path. God is going to use every part of your story for his glory. I was reminded of this 2012. I was at the Connect Conference with Minnesota pastors from across the state. We were in Duluth, and uh, I was having breakfast with Richard Foth. He was our speaker. And uh, Richard just kind of shared over breakfast a little bit of his story, and he grew up in India as a missionary's kid. And uh, then I began to share a bit of my story, and I, I said, I... My dad was actually born in India. My grandfather was a missionary there. And uh, he, his face lit up and he said, well, where? I said, India. <laughs> There's 1.3 billion, maybe more than that today, people in India, a lot of big cities, a lot of places. And, and then Richard turned to me and he said these words. Mark, you ought to know. You need to know. This is your story. In that moment, it wasn't Richard's voice I heard. It was the Holy Spirit's speaking and imprinting on my heart an assignment that I had to follow through with when I came home from the Connect Conference. Called, where else? Springfield. No, we don't call it that often either. I called the Heritage Foundation in Springfield. I said, send me everything you've got on Bartholomew Dean. And... Uh, Ten days later, I got a, a packet 
And uh, it described my grandfather's life, his, his calling, his, his ministry. I, I think we'll put a picture or two on the screen. That's Gramps. And Grandma. He was a widowed 44-year-old missionary who God called. She was a widow from Stockholm, Sweden that God called. And they met in India. And the product of their life was my father, along with three other brothers that were born in India. Now, this had been part of my, my past, but it had it just been kind of laid dormant in my life. I knew it to be a fact, but it, it was not anything that I had ever spent a whole lot of time thinking about, except when Dad would tell me the stories. And Dad would say with a twinkle in his eye, Son, you remember, I was born halfway around the world twice because he went back in the military and was recommitted his life to the Lord there. That was a part of, of my information, but it wasn't something I had internalized until 2012. 2013, Barb and I traveled to India. And we went to my father's ministry place, my grandfather's ministry place, and, and we walked the streets of Lucknow, India. And during that season of my life over 2013, God began to imprint, imprint the significance of missions in a whole new dimension, something I didn't even realize had significance or importance for my life, other than just the fact that it happened. God wanted to use. God wanted to stir up in me. And I have confidence that the same God who has created you from your mother's womb, has knit you together, has put the DNA in place in your life with all of the giftings, all of those things he is going to use for his glory in your life as well. I am so excited for you in the journey you are on. Well, that's just the intro. Just wanted to get that off my chest. What an incredible day we live in. Day of, of great challenge and a day of great opportunity. And I believe God wants to take the challenges and stir our hearts and allow us to see those challenges as opportunities. He wants to help us to reap, to reap a harvest beyond anything we've experienced pre-COVID. He wants to lead us forward. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 15, it, we find the, the closing verse of the parable of the sower and the seeds. And we'll read there, and the seeds that fell on the good soil, that would be you, represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a small harvest. Sorry, huge harvest. Huge harvest. Patiently produce 
I want to talk to you this morning about perseverance. Patiently producing what God has created you to do and to be. This past summer, Barb and I enjoyed our first sabbatical. Don't I look rested and, refl- and relaxed? Not yesterday so much in a business session, but I, it's good to, to be preaching today. Ah, oh, that was the assignment the, the presbyters gave us. Go, rest, relax. We did. We loved it. But when it was done, we came home and I was ready to go back to work. Barb was ready to have me go back to work. Go. We love what we're doing. We love what God has called us to do in this season of our life. I felt the Lord was saying these words as we came back. Just keep working. Just keep working at what I've given you to do. Patiently produce. Persevere. Patiently produce. Another scripture, Galatians 6, 9, says it this way. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we're going to reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we're going to spend a little time unpacking that verse today. To persevere is defined as to continue in a course of action. To continue in a course of action, even in the face of difficulty, even even when it is seemingly impossible to win. Persevere, even in the face of difficulty. Perseverance doesn't speak of a defensive posture. Gonna just hang in there. Gonna just hold on. I'm gonna hunker down. I'm gonna hide. hide, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just try to hold my ground here and stand still. It's not what perseverance is in the scripture. Perseverance is continuing a course of action that you are called to. Continuing a course of action. It's on the move. Both history and scriptures give us wonderful illustrations of perseverance. I like history, so I'm going to take you down that path for just a a couple of minutes and and put one of my heroes on the screen. I had to look hard. We had to look hard to find one with with him not having a cigar, okay? But we, we found one, okay? Just didn't want to go there. Sir Winston Churchill... An amazing story of perseverance. He stood against the tyranny of Hitler, of Nazism, in the face of difficulty, when it was seemingly impossible, and France fell, and Belgium fell, and Poland fell, and Hungary fell, and Czechoslovakia, every place fell, but Great Britain stood. Stood. The challenge was difficult. Little prospect of success. Winston had faced difficulty all of his life. He was dyslexic. A-D-C, no. What's the word? A, yeah, that's it, (laughs) A-D-H-D. 
go back to my alphabet days. He was prone to depression. He called it the black dog that would come. It was just a part of his life. That's, that's Winston Churchill. But through his difficulties, he learned to inspire others to persevere. He inspired others. I love some of his quotes. He says this, your greatest growth comes through dark times. Mm, you'll have a few dark times, perhaps. No, perhaps. You will. Your greatest growth. He says, if you're going through hell, keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. He made this other quote that I love. History will be kind to me because I intend to write it. Church, we don't even have that pressure on us. Our history's already written. It's already recorded in heaven. God has written the pages of your life. All we have to do is find it, be led by the Spirit, and walk into what he has created us to do and to be. We've got a leg up on Sir Winston. That's history. The message of his life was never, never give up. His perseverance inspired Great Britain to be great. Yes. Love it. Love it. Your perseverance has the opportunity, the potential to shape eternity. To shape eternity through your perseverance. What a potential we have. So let's look at scripture. Back to Galatians 6.9. Let us not become weary in doing good. The Holy Spirit wouldn't have put that in Paul's mind to write had it not been a problem that trips many of us up. Let us not become weary. You don't just get weary one morning. You become weary. You don't take care of yourself. You don't find rest, emotional, spiritual, feeding yourself, and all the, all the things we could talk about we don't have time for today. We don't just become... Let us not become weary in doing good. Most people overestimate what they can do in a year. And they underestimate what they can do in a lifetime. You know, when, when we overestimate, when we begin to pile things on and th that have to be done this in the next year, we, we create tension and stress and weariness. You're on God's timetable, not yours. And we can hear from him, but not everything he speaks into your heart is going to happen this year. Ask Joseph when you get there. It's a lifetime of perseverance. The last two years have been a test of perseverance, have they not? Let's close church for six weeks. Just see how that feels. For pastors, that doesn't feel good. A lot of uncertainty to that. Oh, man. Let's put all kinds of restrictions out there. Let's, let's, let's create some obstacles for people. Let's have 25% of our church just drop out. No, 50%. No, 75%. Oh, man. 
Barna says that 39% of ministers contemplated quitting in the last two years. Of course, that's not assembly of God. No, none of us ever thought about it. Here we go. God wants to help us stop lamenting about a pre-COVID world that we want to go back to. He wants to have us stop looking over our shoulder, looking in the rearview mirror, looking at the past. That's not our God. He wants to help us move beyond that. It's impossible to move forward when we're looking backwards. You walk off of stages. You hurt yourself. I'm very clumsy. I could, do, I could illustrate this very simply for you. Not going to do it. Believe me. God's doing a new work in 2022. Come on, we see evidence. We, we see all across our state, around the world. God is stirring. God is working under the surface, above the surface. His spirit is at work. What happens when we look backwards? What happened to the Israelites? Oh, everything looks so good back there. Daisy, you remember those leeks and onions and garlic? Those burgers were so good. Fried chicken, yeah, that was good there too. Everything's so good. We were so secure, didn't have any worries in life. Egyptian, they, they provided a covering for us. Forgot something. You were a slave. Yesterday wasn't all that good. We don't have to go back to yesterday. We don't have to go back in our churches. We don't have to go back in our ministry, in our lives, to yesterday. Mm. What happened when they looked backwards? A whole generation missed out on the promise of God. Every one of them died. Missed out, except for two. Look forward, Minnesota. Look forward. God's not called us to ease, to safety, to comfort, or to shortcuts. Look forward. Pick up your cross daily. I hate some of those verses. <laughs> Come on. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Persevere. Patiently produce. Just Get in the trenches. Do it. The race we're running is not a sprint. It's not a marathon. It's not a multi-marathon, mega-marathon. It's a lifelong race till we cross the finish line. Paul was a great example of how to run the race, how to finish, how to run through the tape and not stop until he was through the tape. Great, great illustration. Philippians chapter 3, you know the verses, verses 13 and 14. He says, forgetting the past. Forgetting the past and looking where? Forward. Forward to what lies ahead. Forward to what lies... 2019, forget it. God... 
may replicate some of the things of yesterday, but he has a whole lot more for us tomorrow. And I press on to reach, I press on to reach the end line of the race. Paul didn't deny the past. He didn't really forget. He just chose not to live there. Paul knew how many times he was shipwrecked. He remembered how long he spent in the water that time. He knew how many times he'd been beaten with lashes. He knew how many times he'd been beaten with rods. He knew how many times he'd been stoned. He didn't forget, forget. But he left it behind. There was a whole lot of good stuff in the past, and there were some things that that he was happy to forget and say, press on, go forward. He had work to do that required his full attention, and it was all in front of him, not behind him. He had people to reach. He had leaders to raise up. He had missionary trips to go on. He had churches to plant. He had letters to write, which we still read today. He had a call on his life, and so do you. Move forward. Face tomorrow. Face today. Forget about yesterday. He chose to look forward with faith and with optimism. And at the end, as he's running through the tape, he says, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. And henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing, who are looking forward, who love his appearing, who are focused on the future and what the future brings and eternity. That's our future. Sometimes we overestimate what we can do in a year. But we're on his timetable, church. We're on his timetable. The longer things grow in our world, the more productive, the more substantive, the more fruitful they become. You plant that apple tree this spring and see if you have fruit this fall. No, we'll be just happy if it lives, right? Yes. My green thumb is back. Yes. Growth happens over time over and in stages. In stages over time. You can't rush it. Eternal results are subject to the law of sowing and reaping. Persevere. Persevere. Let us not become weary in doing good. Second part of the verse. Come on, we're making progress here. For at the proper time, at the proper time, we're going to reap a harvest, it says. You know, if we cling to his word, we patiently produce. That verse from Luke said to us, there'll be a huge harvest to the seed that falls in the good soil. This verse in Galatians says, we will reap a harvest in due season at the proper time. As, as a boy, there would be times that I would walk up to a pond, a lake, a body of water, and the wind wasn't blowing like it has been for the last three months. And the water was still. 
I just have to tell you, that was far too great a temptation for me as a boy. That water is far too still. Go find a rock. And then watch the ripples go every which direction. Some coming right back at me. Some going here. Some going there. What? There's no way I could follow the ripples totally and fully. I would lose track. And this morning, I just say never underestimate the ripple effect of your life and ministry. Never underestimate what God is doing. You may not see it, but it's happening. It's a promise of God's word. My parents pastored in this district. They pastored in Duluth as their last pastorate. And uh, they were there back in the 1900s, which means I was there, the 1900s, sorry. And uh, I remember my parents as they, they came toward the, the closing years of ministry in their life. Uh, my brother was then pastoring the church that they had pastored. He had stepped in. And uh, they were still active in ministry. They were retired, but they were still persevering. I, re- I was reminded of the story of what they did during those retirement years. They would go and there were people from within the church that they would target. They, they would go minister to. And, and uh, there was a single mom with four kids in particular. Comes to mind today. They would go and they would just bring encouragement to that mom. They would pray for her. And I can imagine they would have gathered those kids around and let's pray for the kids. But I don't have to imagine today. Because one of those kids is here. Julia, where are you? There you are. Julia Rivard was that girl. One of those precious four children. They didn't know that as they prayed over children and a single mom, that someday that young lady, that child, was going to be pastoring the church that they pastored for years. They didn't get it. They didn't see it. They, didn't, they couldn't see the ripples going that far. But today I could imagine that they are seated on the grandstands of Hebrews chapter 12 from heaven and looking over, not so much to hear me preach, but to see Julia. Yes. Yes. Mm. Wow. We don't always get to see the harvest, but it's coming. At the proper time, in due season, it's coming. We have all of eternity to celebrate. Now it's time to work. Come on. Roll up our sleeves. We, it's time to work, to be about what God has called us to do and to be. You never know what's going to happen to the seeds you sow of God's word and his vision. Never underestimate the ripple effect of your life and ministry. A lot can happen in a decade. 
And let me just say this. The ripple effect of your ministry will follow you into eternity. Death does not end the law of sowing and reaping. It continues, continues. Ah, third part. We're getting there. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary. Doing good. The proper time will reap a harvest. If... We do not give up. Mm. Boy, that's a big word. It's a huge word. If. It's that conditional word that triggers the promises of God over and over again in Scripture. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, then if any man hears my voice will open the door. Then, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Then, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then, if my people, which are called by my name, humble them to pray, then, if, if this all is contingent, some of God's promises aren't. His faithfulness is good, but what we're talking about here, a harvest is contingent on if. If we do not give up at the proper time, the harvest is assured. It's the law. It will happen. Let me take my last five minutes and close a little bit longer by just sharing a few things we're not giving up on Minnesota. We're not giving up on. We're not giving up on planting 125 churches. We just aren't. The next decade, we've heard Pastor Doug, I'm on his team. We're going to plant 125 churches. God help us. Lauren Triplett said years ago, AGWM uh, Ministries uh, Director, 50 years ago, he said, we will not measure our success by our endeavors. Lots of endeavors in the world and in the church world. He said, we will measure our success by the number of churches we plant. That's a good metric I want to celebrate and continue to chase and dream and sow and reap a great harvest. We're going to be who we were called to be and do what we were called to be. What's that, Mark? So glad you asked. We are called to be a Pentecostal missions movement. Pentecostal mission, spirit-empowered missions movement. That's who we are. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're not giving up an inch on. We will continue to press forward, to look forward. 42%, come on, God, help me. You've promised in your word that number will be erratic. People will hear. People will receive the gospel. We're going to continue to pray. God, Lord of the harvest, Call a thousand out of Minnesota. Not giving ground on that. We're moving forward. We're going to keep counting as we go. We're going to continue to be a generous church. We're going to continue to sow into ministry in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. 
oh, we've got much to celebrate and we could pause and just celebrate. But don't grow weary either in, in the fact that there's 42% that are waiting yet to hear the gospel. Just stay at the, stay at the job. We have work to be done. Many of our missionaries are here with us and we partner with them. We're going to resume sending lead pastor vision trips. We had a brief little break from that. But in the next six months, we'll have at least two teams out. Pastor Dave Oler leading one to Albania. I'll be going with Mark Doreen, as you heard yesterday, to Thailand. We're going to have leadership that goes and experiences and hears God's voice. <clears throat> one other thing I want to mention. We're not giving up on. We are going with God's help to make room at camp for the next generation. We're, we're just going to persevere. We're on his timetable. I get it. Lord willing, it'll be sooner than later. We're going to persevere. We're going to see it happen. We're going to put 224 more beds in there. We're going to put a pool in there. God willing, we're going to put a hot tub in there. <laughs> and we're going to put a tunnel to connect to the, the dining and event center. Wow. Come on. These, these are things God has given us resources. We're going to continue to expand. And only God, only our God is big enough to help us reach Minnesota and the one billion in the Buddhist world. Only our God. Only, only by him. Only our God is big enough to call enough laborers to fill every pulpit in Minnesota of all the new churches and all the current churches and reach the ends of the earth. We do our part, he will do his part. Only God is big enough to fund the vision for every missionary he calls to build some new resources at camp, to plant new churches, only God, but he has the resources. There is no limit to his capacity, even as there is no limit to his compassion. His capacity will never be outweighed by his compassion. Capacity will match and will exceed he will equip us, empower us, church. His capacity will match and exceed his compassion. God is going to give you ministers. He's going to give you vision for the ministry he calls you to. He will place it in your heart. He will help you accomplish everything he puts in your heart to do. You won't see it all happen in a year, but give it a lifetime and beyond. And the ripple effect of your life is going to follow you into eternity. And you will celebrate and will rejoice in the presence of the Lord. Look forward, Minnesota. Let's not look backward. Can we continue to look forward? God is doing a new work. Perseverance will carry us across the finish line. New ministers, perseverance will carry us across the finish line. And at the end of the day, all of the glory will be his. Every bit, because we know us. How could he possibly? All of the glory will be his, because his presence dwells with 
in you. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we're going to reap a harvest. If we do not give up.